What is going on, Sharp Football family? This is a fantasy analyst, Rich Rebar, and I hope everyone's coming off of a safe and fun holiday weekend. Our neighborhood over here went all out with the fireworks supply, so my kids got a nice treat, and I didn't have to park anywhere, worry about you know exiting any you know crowded you know parking lots or anything afterwards. It was actually kind of nice. I wish we could kind of arrange it to happen every year. But right about now, you're probably wondering why I'm doing the intro this week, and I will tell you why. Uh, when we originally were going to start this fantasy podcast, you know, I was looking to pull in, you know, a longtime friend and colleague, Chad Scott, to come back and host, uh, who I did a little podcast back in the day called The Fake Goods over at The Fake Football With. You know, planning to get Chad back into action. We were all set to go, ready to fire up this podcast. And then COVID really kind of began to spike in the United States. And then you, since you guys kind of know, if you followed The Fake Football, Goods podcast, you know, Chad is kind of our resident fantasy fucker. Uh, he kind of works in the Washington State medical field uh, as a male nurse. Uh, and, you know, in this, you know, his schedule just kind of turned a tornado and we were ready to start the podcast. You know, he wasn't available to start because the schedule got messed up. And that's when Dan Pazuda, you know, stepped in and I thought Dan crushed it. You know, he provided a lot of useful fantasy nuggets uh, to tack on to my incoherent rambling like I'm doing right now. Uh, but I do thank Dan for his time, you know, his ability to host on a dime out of nowhere. And you can still hear Dan on the Sharp Angles podcast that myself and Warren do. Uh, but now Chad is back and we're ready to once again reunite our Genetti-esque powers. Uh, so Chad, you know, kind of fill us in, you know, a little bit on what you've been doing, you know, since our old fake good days. And fill us in on the state of your knowledge that you've gained working in the medical field during this kind of unique time in our country. And please tell us that there's just a smidgen of hope that we're going to just one have humanity first and maybe some football you know, come, come the ball. Well, uh, first of all, Rich, I am super stoked to be back with you. Um, it's been, it's been four years, I think since, since our lab po last podcast over at the fate goods. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about trying to get back together for, I don't know, a couple of years. Um, and now it's, it's finally happening. As you said, um, we are trying to get this thing rolling back in March um, and everything hit and uh, everything's been just a blur the last four months for me really at work as rich said I'm a, I'm a nurse by day um, and at night these days um, and so everything has just changed completely in in what I do um, I'm wearing a mask all day every day and n95 um, I gown in and out of, of rooms I'm sweating profusely <laughs> throughout the day um, you know, it's, it's just a wild time right now. And I think um, there is a smidgen of hope that there, there, will, be, um, there will be some sort of normalcy in our lives um, in, the, in the coming future, hopefully weeks, if not months. But uh, yeah, man, everything's, everything's going, going great. I think the, the biggest key, obviously, and, and we talked about this before the, the show, is we, we don't want to get too political or anything, so we're not going to do that. I think um, if you, I think you should absolutely always wear a mask when you're out in public. Um, I think you're uh, helping the world uh, get back to, to normalcy by doing that. Um, you're protecting those that you love and those around you that you don't even know um, of perhaps catching this this uh, terrible virus. And uh, yeah, just uh, I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to be back and talking football. 
Um, cause I feel like this is, this is where I'm supposed to be with you. I'm supposed to be on a podcast with Rich Rebar. And whenever I heard your voice in a podcast and in, in various other podcasts, I was, I was always like, we're going to, we're going to be back someday. And, uh, and we're back baby. So, uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to roll, man. This is, this is going to be fun. I think we're going to have a, we're going to have a good year. Yeah, I'm excited to be partnered back with you. I got to, you know, I haven't even hit you up to try to, you know, see if I can get the hookup on some N95s. <laughs> I do not have hookups. Those are, uh, those are uh, locked away in, in places I can't get to, and they, they hand them out every Monday. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, – I've gone – I don't know how many masks I've gone through, too many, but, uh, you know, being diligent. Being diligent is going to be the key to uh, getting us past this. So uh, I'm going to do my part. Hopefully everybody else does theirs. All right. Well, I guess that's my, my, my uh, key to, to get this show rolling. As the host now of uh, pre-snap motion, uh, thanks again to Dan uh, for, for uh, covering in my stead and, and doing a, a great job. I listened to um, all the shows you guys have done. I think uh, you and Dan did great. Um, and uh, you got – uh, uh, an audience for us to uh, to start this thing. So it's it, let's roll. Let's just roll right into it. Um, before we do that, let's let's talk about uh, your boss, uh, Warren Sharp. He's got a, a book coming out. I've heard, um, and it's actually coming sources. out this. Yeah, sources tell me uh, it's coming out this week uh, over at SharpFootballAnalysis.com. Uh, if you go now, uh, you can go get Warren's 2020 football preview book. Uh, there's an early bird special happening right now, so you don't want to miss out on that. Uh, while you're there, uh, if you're kind of on the fence about buying the book or not, uh, take a look. There is a free preview chapter available. Uh, it's about 10 pages, uh, deep dive into the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, so there's going to be, I mean, just lots of useful information as you know, um, anything coming out from, uh, from Warren is going to be, uh, top notch and uh, top shelf. So make sure you're going to the website, check it out, pre-order, get your book, get started reading it this week. Going to be great. If you haven't, uh, if you haven't read Warren's book before, uh, Reeves and Warren and Dan also did a, a podcast, I believe on sharp angles, uh, the other podcast in the family of networks, if you will, last week covering uh, what the book is about, uh, diving into Warren's process, uh, and then uh, a few of yours and Dan's uh, favorite teams and you know other angles that you might have covered in the book. So uh, you can find that on, uh, again, Sharp Angles uh, podcast. So go do that as well. Um, let's dive into the show, Rich. We're going to look at a few of the players that have risen uh, over the co- over cost in the past few weeks over on uh, Fanball Best Ball t- uh, 10 drafts, uh, and those include the FFPC Best Ball. Um, so our, uh, you had an article that came out today. Do you want to go, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that article and what it gets into? Yeah, every you know, just every month I kind of check in and kind of keep pulse uh, on where player movement is. Now, this has been a unique offseason. Typically by mid-July, we've 
we're getting news regularly. We're getting reports from OTAs or reports from camp uh, where guys are getting used in personnel usage. Some of these guys are getting, you know, the hype train, you know, the, the yearly Devontae Parker to, to, to tweet storm is usually could happen by now. Now this year is different. No OTAs, no training camps yet. Not until the end of the month, hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, so we really are just kind of flying by and trying to wait for some intangible news. And we really only have gotten, we've gotten that injury, you know, from Debo Samuel and, We'll talk a little bit about Brandon Ayuk because he's one of these guys. And then, you know, last week Cam finally signed. So we've gotten some trickle down and some news. Uh, and then we've got some potentially, you know, n- is it news or is it not news with some of these other players, you know, kind of involved with the Dalvin Cook, you know, threatening of a holdout. He's not holding out yet. He's just threatening to hold out. Uh, and then, of course, the, the Instagram feed of uh, one Mr. Antonio Brown. So those are some of the guys that kind of popped up, uh, you know, in this this nice surge of uh, July ADP that are kind of guys that are making a move. So even with a stretch where we're not really getting a lot of tangible news for fantasy football and a lot of these camp nuggets that are coming out, we still find a way, you know, some players are still moving around boards and uh, we're going to go over some of those guys right now. Yeah. And I think um, the, the best place to start would obviously be with Cam Newton, just because of the player and, um, his effect on other players. Um, so I think it has a, uh, a reach on uh, a wide variety of, of, of fantasy assets here. So I think we should talk about him first. Um, this week, let's see, in the past week at Fanball, he's been the QB 19 and over on FFPC, he's the QB 21. Uh, this was obviously a guy that you could have um, basically for free prior to the signing. Um, so at QB 19 and 21, are you going to be a buyer on Cam Newton? And if so, why? If not, also why? I, I kind of like this. I, th- I figured, you know, when the, when the news was going to drop, because one, it's, you know, the Patriots, you know, the Patriots, you know, kind of stigma. And then, you know, Cam Newton, you know, being the fantasy guys that he's been over his career, I thought that he would surge a little higher. You know, every, the price is reasonable now. QB 19, QB 21, uh, those are really, that's, I mean, that's mid QB 2, low end QB 2 kind of prices. And, you know, for that, those, I mean, I'm, I'm in on those. I have him QB 14 right now. Uh, and I thought I was even off, op- op- operating with a little bit of trepidation there. Uh, he's finished uh, higher than the QB 19 in points per game, uh, in passing points per game, that is, just once uh, in his career. But he still finished the QB 13 or higher in fantasy points per game in every season outside of last year, and the QB 8 or higher in points per game in seven of his first eight seasons of his career uh, because of what he offers with his leg. Uh, so, I mean, he is a high-risk, high-reward option, uh, you know, when you factor in everything that kind of goes around surrounding this unique offseason of one uh, player switching team is do we know the health status of Cam Newton? Are there good enough players surrounding him? Some of those are questions he's always had throughout his career. You know, if you think about Carolina's supporting cast um, and him coming off some injuries as well, but he's always provided fantasy points outside of last year when he was completely shut down after two weeks. And when you talk about these best ball formats, I mean, you're getting insulation built in on Cam Newton. So, I mean, you only have to worry about his upside. You don't have to worry about taking the down weeks or making a lineup decision. And since entering the league, only Drew Brees has more 30-point fantasy games than Cam Newton. Uh, He's fourth uh, of all all quarterbacks uh, since he entered the league in 20-plus point fantasy games uh, with 55 such career games. So you can play for that upside while you're insulation, especially at these prices uh, 
at QB 19, QB 21, like we're talking about, uh, to know that this is a guy that, even though he didn't have a lot, a plethora of passing acumen over his career, was always delivering fantasy points at a QB 8 level or higher, uh, you know, in all his years, except for two. And one of those, he was just still right outside the QB 1 range. So I, I look at this, and, and especially with the format, and I think that he's a little bit too cheap, uh, you know, especially with some of the quarterbacks that kind of go around him. Uh, and even in season-long leagues, I think that if he's going to be around those prices, I'll want to play for that upside because, at worst, there's quarterback points everywhere in fantasy football now, especially in one-quarterback leagues. So you can play for the ceiling, and if you don't hit, you, you just have a fallback, and you stream like everyone else does. You know, it's, it's fine outside of the couple quarterbacks that offer that week-to-week consistency that prop up every year. So I think he's still a little bit too cheap. I kind of expected him to be higher after this news went down. Yeah, and I, you know, and I think those prices, uh, as we get in towards uh, the middle and the end of July, I think he'll start seeing that um, everything kind of correcting itself, and he'll start to kind of creep towards uh, QB 15, 14, 13, and so on. Um, but a lot of this, I feel like, is just a lot of recency bias on drafters right now because uh, we, he didn't have much of a 2018, obviously, after two games. He, uh, well, actually, I mean, he's hurt in the preseason, tried to play through a, a Liz Frank, right. and um, just didn't look like him. But in 2018, I mean, from beginning to about middle to uh, – he was, he was – he was a little bit, a little bad at the, at the end of 2018, but uh, you know, he was coming off shoulder surgery. He, uh, he just looked fatigued. He didn't look like the Cam Newton, but this guy, if, if he can come uh, back to what he looked like in the beginning of 2018 um, and be just a little bit of Cam Newton, I think people are going to be getting a steal. Um, and you talked about his supporting cast. He's never really had a great supporting cast to work with now he's going to new england where you know you have a what a 34 year old julian edelman um a, a sophomore in and keel harry uh jacoby myers uh maybe post type sleeper here jacoby myers um and really not much else because uh sanu who they trade for last week or last year um looked like dust didn't look very good but uh who knows, uh, second year in the system. Uh, a name that I kind of, um, that kind of sparked my interest was a little bit, was Marquise Lee on the roster. Um, I don't know if there's any Marquise Lee truthers out there, but uh, you, never, you never know. Patriots, um, they have, a, they have a, a way of reviving careers, and maybe, maybe this one could be Marquise Lee. What do you think about his surrounding cast, Cam Newton? I think when you look at the Patriots playmakers, it's there's just not a lot of field stretchers, and you know, he does have the old connection to Demir Bird. Uh, I mean, everyone remembers stacking Demir Bird with Cam Newton and living off of that and getting fantasy fat. But uh, yeah, I mean, I look at these these playmakers, and it's a lot of guys that don't separate or they play near the line of scrimmage. Now that's what we've seen from Cam in the beginning of that 2018 season. That's the way he played. The Turner offense had him getting rid of the football and you know getting the ball out of his hands early, and he was easily rocking the the highest completion percentage of his career in the front of that 2018 season. So I have to assume that something similar to what the Patriots and Josh McDaniels are going to do. Listen, Josh McDaniels is a smart guy and that organization is smart. They're going to do everything that's capable to cater to what they believe Cam Newton is still doing well and functioning um, 
at his apex now. They're going to do those things. So they're not going to have him dropping back and throwing, you know, the ball 40 yards downfield. And in that 2018 season where he struggled was downfield still too. And he was really good in the front half, uh, you know, 10 yards and in. I just feel like that's where the Patriots skill guys are now. And if the defense, we know it's going to rest a little bit, but we know it's still one of the better defenses in the league. If they're operating with positive game script and they can just move, stay ahead of the chains. And, you know, Cam is still able to run a little bit. And I think, the Liz Frank surgery is probably a less concern than the, the shoulder injury. You know, at this point, he had two shoulder surgeries. We want to know if that's going to be a problem where, you know, the Liz Frank, he had the surgery in December. You know, everything, by all accounts from the things I've read from medical reports, like that shouldn't be an issue. So, I mean, we're looking for the shoulder to be healthy uh, and seeing how this offense operates. But, I mean, this is a, a team that, I mean, I feel like they're, we're in good hands with, like, at least putting, you know, players in the optimal position to succeed. So, uh, you know, I feel pretty positive about Cam Newton, like I said, uh, you know, kind of in the open. But, I mean, this offense is going to look different than it did with Tom Brady. I mean, you look at Cam Newton, his career high in pass attempts is 517. He's hit 500 pass attempts just twice in his career. Uh, and he's done that by only playing on three winning teams. So game script hasn't even elevated his type of value. He's just not – he doesn't do that type of, uh, you know – passing volume isn't add that type of passing volume to an offense you know like a Tom Brady he's not going to throw 625 passes that's not what we're going to see the Patriots do even if they struggle so there's going to be a culture change with the Patriots and then how they operate an offense but I believe that you know they're a team that's also never ever been tied to playing one particularly brand of football and they've always been able to you know acquiesce to the talent they have and I believe that we'll see that happen here again with Cam Newton right and uh as far as putting their players in the best position to succeed, I think they really do do that except for um, whatever they do with Sony Michelle. Um, and they use the first round draft pick, whatever they do with him is the complete opposite of, of what their culture um, has always been about. Uh, two questions for you though, before we move on to the next thing, um, the tight ends in the Patriots, they have two interesting rookies here, Devin Asiasi, um, and then Dalton Keene, which one are you highest on? And uh, are you are you drafting any in redraft, or are these strictly dynasty plays right now? Yeah, definitely just dynasty-only plays for me. I mean, no team threw fewer passes to the tight ends a year ago than the Patriots did. And granted, that was personnel-induced. That's why they invested, you know, into the position in this third round with those two guys. Uh, I'm more into Asiasi in terms of a, a better profile. Keen is interesting, but he kind of profiles as, like, one of those tweener, like, H-back guys. Mm -hmm. He is an athletic player, and he puts some plays on tape that I like. Uh, but Asiasi is more of, like, a natural receiver. And, you know, I figure he's going to have the in-line uh, to playing in line, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and playing yeah. ahead of Keen, but uh, definitely dynasty plays only. We're not looking a lot, a lot of production out of those guys here. One, okay. And then uh, on the on the running backs, and we all know uh, Patriots running backs are always a headache to deal with. Um, but since Cam has signed, there has been people um, uh, prepping, propping up James White. He'll have he'll be Cam's new CMC. Um, same as it ever was, I guess. But Sony Michelle, is there any hope for Sony Michelle in this offense with Cam Newton at least being a running quarterback back there, uh, alleviating maybe some of those boxes up front? I mean, I, you want to say, yeah, but I mean, this is just not the Sony Michelle we've seen in college, and he really hasn't been that. He gave us that nice flurry as a rookie in the postseason. But this is a guy that was often comped by, you know, scouts to being like Alvin Kamara-esque, you know, and he just hasn't been a factor in the passing game at all. Uh, that's what's really hurts him from a fantasy stance. That's what gives him that low ceiling. I mean, he's had just five RB1 scoring weeks in 29 regular season games through two years because he just doesn't get – he offers you no floor and no receiving upside, which is a problem. And now he's a he, – since he's an all-rushing 
uh, induced fantasy play, he now has a threat to having a quarterback that is going to probably steal some rushing touchdowns from him uh, in Cam Newton. You know, Cam Newton up until last year had accounted for 42% of his team's rushing touchdowns. Mm. uh, And only Marshawn Lynch had more rushing touchdowns than Cam Newton from 2011 Mm. to 2018. So that's kind of a problem. We did see the Panthers in 2018 shift and you know, Christian McCaffrey did completely you know out touch cam inside the five uh but you know hey we we don't really know I do think it's at least just something to stick a pin in and know that it's a problem for Sony like I said the biggest problem for Sony is he just hasn't looked like the player he was right. in college I mean the, the, all this lower uh body injuries have just really sapped explosiveness from a guy like Sony Michelle but the Patriots keep doing it even last year they were third in the NFL in PPR points collectively it's a backfield third in the NFL mm. but only uh James well James White was their leading scorer but he only had 39 percent of those points so it's still just a hodgepodge of players contributing and we'll probably see that again I mean Damian yeah. Harris might get some snaps this year we might see him Burkhead is still there they always like him and then the ghost of Brandon Bolton like always makes an appearance at least once a year <laughs> yeah he sure does yeah I'm actually yeah in those names I'm definitely most interested in Damian Harris's an 18th, 19th round dart throw. Um, hopefully he hits. If he doesn't, no big deal. You can move on um, like we're going to do right now. Um, we're going to move on to uh, Antonio Brown because I feel like there's not a, a show that you can have uh, without Antonio Brown, especially when he's, when he's posting videos of, of uh, catching passes from the great Russell Wilson. Um, Rich, we've seen Brown now post videos of him catching from – Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, uh, Dwayne Haskins so far this offseason. Are you, are you buying that he's going to be on the team in 2020? And if he is, where would you want him to end up most? I definitely think he will get a shot to play. I mean, because the NFL's shown, like, the, I mean, if you can, if you're good, you can help them help a team win. Yeah. You'll get second, third, fourth chances. Uh, you know, we see we live this with Josh Gordon every year. Uh, you know, Ugh. seemingly for the last five years, and he's nowhere near I live the level the of, yeah. of, of walk-in Hall of Fame talent that you know Antonio Brown is. I mean, Antonio Brown's the best fantasy wide receiver the last decade. Um, and we seen last year when he switched teams, even that fiasco we had all summer at the end of summer with him and the helmet and the videos, the Instagram posts. He walked on the Patriots. The first game with the Patriots, this guy only played 24 snaps. He only ran 13 pass routes and had eight targets and had 56 yards and a touchdown. And a touchdown I yeah. mean, the dude can play, and, and you know he's, and he still has a lot left probably in that regard. I mean, he's one of those guys that he's not one of those big, clunkier, clanky wide receivers that you know just you know don't don't age properly. You know, the guys where they hit the wall and you just can't recover. You know, and that's why you see some longevity from some of these slot guys, or some of these guys built like an Antonio Brown. But I mean, it's also not uncommon to see NFL players that aren't on the same team work out with each other in the off season. Like I think Antonio Brown and Russ Wilson have even done this before. They've worked out together and there's been, you know, kind of, uh, you know, these videos have circulated in years past of them working out and, you know, you kind of get the what ifs uh, just because these are where guys live in the off season or they have agencies that are, uh, you know, they have camps or something like that, and these guys are getting some reps together, and they're doing right. stuff like that. So, I mean, it's not uncommon either. I mean, it would make sense. I mean, Seattle is one of these teams. They're a team that – one of those teams that took a shot on Josh Gordon. They've taken in some guys that have had some off-field stuff and not really been scared to bring those guys in because you've got 
the oldest coach in the NFL that, you know, is a young soul still and be able to get through these guys. You got a veteran team, you got a veteran quarterback. Uh, so I do think that, I mean, Seattle is one of those teams that would fit. I would love to see him in a place where there was probably more of an opportunity for him to get back to like that 150 target volume. And I just don't think that that exists right now. I mean, this is a guy that's had 150 plus targets the last six full seasons he played in the NFL. I just don't think that that exists for him anymore. And then we also just have the unknown also is, you know, is there an inevitable suspension still coming in for him based on, you know, the accusations he had last year. He also had an arrest in January this year. Um, I don't really know, you know, where we stand with with all those things. If the league's going to give him a pass because he did he basically only played one game last year, are they going to suspend him for a portion of this season? How long will his suspension be? And that's where I think that it makes him a tougher redraft investment right now with all those unknowns than it does in a best ball format. In a best ball format at wide receiver 60, you're just uh, – you're here for one angle. Like, you want that – you want, you want the ceiling weeks. You don't care. Now, in a redraft stance, he's going to cost you a roster spot unless your league lets you put suspended players on injured reserve, which not a lot do. Um, but if you can, then that obviously takes away some of the problem. But if not, we don't know, one, if he's going to be suspended, two, for how long. So, I mean, you've got this guy eating a roster spot, and he's not even on a team yet. There's just a lot of unknowns. Whereas you think, like last year, Kareem Hunt was out eight weeks, but you, one, knew he was coming back, and you – you know, you, you at least knew there was a window. What, what, what team he was on and when he was going to come back. Uh, those are still unknowns here uh, for Antonio Brown. So in these best ball formats, really no qualms, you know, because you're playing for the one outcome. But in a redraft stance, he does still offer that upside, but there's also a lot of downside because roster spots are valuable, especially early in the season when waivers are turning at their hottest point. So there's a lot of factors to, you know, to kind of combine into, you know, pulling the trigger on him in the format that where he's really occupying a roster spot that uh, you want some fluidity with. Right. Um, I'm, I'm completely with you. I think uh, Sam kind of goes in uh, is dynasty. I'm not trading him, but I'm not dropping him. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely holding Antonio Brown. But the one spot I really was kind of curious on your take was in Houston where, you know, they, 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 they traded for Brandon cooks. They've got Will Fuller signed Cobb. Uh, they got Kenny stills. Uh, these are four wide receivers <laughs> often injured uh, that can never be counted on to play a full season. Cobb, uh, Cobb not so much, but the other three, Definitely at this point, um, I, f- I feel like if if Brown got in a shot in Houston, then now 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 we're cooking. Now we're talking. All right, he's at least a wide receiver two. Can he be that wide receiver one again? And how many teams could he be that? Uh, I think Houston for me is probably the best shot for him. Um, what would be another team? Do you think for you? I like the Colts as well. I don't know if they're a team that would bring him in. I mean, I obviously drafted Colts, Pittman, okay. but it's it's a shallow depth chart where you've got T.Y. Hilton, you know, past the age apex now. He's over 30. He's missed time the past two seasons. Pittman's a high second-round rookie, and he's, you know, older for a rookie, but they're expecting him to have a role. We don't know what we've got in Paris Campbell. And you've got a veteran quarterback in Phillip Rivers. The window's obviously now. Uh, so, I mean, I think that that's a spot where he could fit and, you know, kind of walk in and get some targets and – you know, kind of at least occupied having some of that high fantasy acumen again. I've seen Washington mentioned, but I just don't think that that's, you know, yeah. him going to a young spot. The targets would definitely be there, but he stunts a lot of growth probably for potential for a lot of guys on that roster. Uh, and Washington's not really a contender. So I really don't think that they would really want to pursue that anyways. Um, but I'm that's looking exactly at, why they will. That's exactly yeah, that why is, they will. It is Washington. <laughs> it, it is Washington. Hey, listen, 
step forwards are being they're taking steps forward here. It looks like Washington NFL team might be something else. Uh, that's so, right. I mean, hey, right. we're taking baby steps, baby steps. The club, the, the club. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, that's that's enough, Antonio Brown. Uh, let's move in to some rookies uh, that have that have been moving, shaking some of the ADPs. Uh, we have three in particular here uh, in Brandon Ayuk, Jalen Rager, and Zach Moss. Uh, like I said, these these three in particular seem to be climbing up ADPs. Brandon Ayuk has climbed because of the Debo injury that you and Dan covered a couple weeks ago when it happened. Uh, you can go back and listen to that episode. Um, but in, in particular, between uh, just the two receivers first, we'll talk about Rager and Ayuk. Uh, who are you taking, and um, is there a difference in who you're taking when it comes in redraft versus dynasty for these two? I think both it's still just Jalen Rager for me. I mean, even yeah. following the draft capital and, you know, kind of the just the dynasty profile. I mean, you had Rager at an early career breakout, and Ayuk was a JUCO transfer, and – you know, Alabama actually tried to recruit Brandon Ayuk last year just to be their return man. He chose mm-hmm. Arizona State because they were going to let him play a receiver too. But Alabama wanted him just to come return kicks for a year uh, mm-hmm. with his eligibility, which is pretty interesting. And he was an excellent return man, you know, averaged 20, uh, you know, over 26 yards for kickoff return last year. Rager is also an excellent return man as well. Uh, you know, he kind of fell into having that the quarterback change last year really kind of, you know, suppressed him. You know, the Eagles have already talked about that Rager will be kind of an understudy to Deshaun Jackson this year. And I kind of thought that when they drafted him, that kind of takes some like error out of things initially. But I mean, when you kind of still lay this out, they kind of need Jalen Rager still. You've got Jackson's going to be going on 34 years old this December. Mm -hmm. He hasn't appeared in full 16 games since 2013. Alshon, we still don't know when he's going to return. There's really no timetable. A lot of people are expecting him to be on the PUP. We don't know what we're going to get out of, you know, our state white side still, you know, in his second season, he had an opportunity as a rookie and just flatlined. He just couldn't even get out of the starting blocks. Um, so, I mean, we don't know what we're going to get out of him. This offense just can't function again, you know, funneling so many targets to tight ends that can't, you know, create a lot after the catch. I mean, both Goddard and Zach Ertz are really good football players, but they're also not dynamic players. That's why you see Carson Wentz have such a low yard surpass attempt last year, you know, and Carson Wentz threw for 4,000 yards still without a wide receiver hitting 500 yards, which is pretty wild. That's crazy. So they may need some production from these wide receivers. And I look at Rager and I say to myself, well, yeah, they want to pigeonhole him behind, you know, Deshaun Jackson and play maybe that flanker spot, but, they also traded for Marquise Goodwin, who can easily just do that as well. If you wanted Deshaun Jackson replacement, a guy to just run straight and fast, like that's Marquise Goodwin's bread and butter. Like he's never been a polished receiver. So you've got him for that. I mean, we don't know what John Hightower, you know, Quez Watkins are going to provide the other guys they drafted. So, I mean, I look, still look at Rager and he's the most dynamic of those guys. He's got the draft capital investment. I they might want to put him behind, you know, Deshaun Jackson to start off, but I think that he's going to be able to carve out a role eventually, and especially if he starts out in the return game and, and pr- provide some dynamic, you know, plays in that too. I mean, he averaged over almost 18 yards per punt return at TCU, 24.2 yards per kickoff return at TCU. He's a dynamic player, and if he's making plays, they're going to – this is a team that needs dynamic playmakers. We've seen how they closed last year. Um, with Ayuk – I think that the problem still is even with the, you know, Debo Samuel potentially being out the opening month or even longer is it's still a low volume passing game overall in San Francisco. And he's still behind George Kittle. Debo Samuel himself, the final 12 games of last year only averaged 5.9 targets per game. 
you know, even for making that surge, it's kind of why I was kind of at one foot kind of, I wasn't fully in with two feet with, with Debo this year at his ADP because the, he, the players around the surrounding ADP to position were just projectable bets to have more targets than him. Uh, you know, I kind of want to operate that around that level first. Um, so, I mean, I'm, with, with Ayuk, I think he fits the system well. He's a, he's a high yak guy. No one had a higher percentage of their passing yards come from yards at the catch than Jimmy Garoppolo last year. So he fits that. I just don't know, one, how many tar- – if there's still a target cap on Ayuk. Um, and, you know, if, if and when Samuel comes back, you know, is, does he still have a role – uh, that we think is tangible for fantasy. So, I mean, it's it's a little tougher for me, to, you know, to go in still with Ayuk, even though he's the guy getting the bump, uh, when it could easily just still be like they could use some of those handoffs to go to Jalen Hurd. They get Jarek McKinnon back, maybe, uh, you know, maybe. Maybe he maybe. plays this year. Uh, they throw some passes to him. It's it's interesting, but it's a you know, low-volume passing game regardless in San Francisco. Right. And for, and for whatever reason, um, I've always had this uh, – this, and it's – it's probably because he went to ASU, I'm sure. But I have this uh, Jalen Strong sort of vibe from Ayuk where he looks amazing. Everything is there that you want in a receiver, but just doesn't happen in the NFL. Uh, who knows if that will happen or not, but that's just kind of this vibe I've had ever since I started looking at these rookies. And with Jalen, Jalen Rager, I mean, you're absolutely right. I think um, for them to – they can say all they want that they just want him to be an understudy. I don't think we can make any mistake about it that the Philadelphia knows they, they need playmakers, they need them on the field. They've gotten Miles Sanders. They drafted J.J. Ortega-Whiteside to um, to be a playmaker. Who knows what they'll do in the sophomore year. Um, and then, obviously, Rager, that, the addition of Goodwin. They want to stretch the field um, and make it a little easier for Carson Wentz, I believe. Um, and I think uh, – for sure, redraft dynasty, whatever whatever format you're playing, Jalen Rager is the easy bet for me as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I'm at with these two. I don't have any Brandon Ayuk in any of my dynasty leagues either, which I I might be sad about um, this time next year. Um, but I, I think I'd probably rather have uh, Jalen Hurd for some reason. So. I, I like him. Yeah, Ayuk was an interesting guy in rookie drafts this year because he was going around that one-two turn. And interesting enough, he was all either going ahead of or right near Henry Ruggs, who was the first receiver taken in the draft. Right. And I've right. just been we haven't Ruggs. We haven't learned a thing yet. We, we just <laughs> haven't learned a thing. So I had been always taking Ruggs when he was still available at that point. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that is literally what you should be doing. But, you know, we, I think we all get infatuated with our, with our own um, – scouting uh how we do on these rookies and so we take that but we should really listen to uh what nfl teams tell us during the draft um especially on on when you're spending that sort of capital to at least well, i try to make it happen listen to what mike mayak tells me yeah that's right yeah he's he's decent too he's pretty okay all right so uh we talked about the two receivers um and then we i mentioned zach moss is also one of those adp risers as well um, there's been a lot of actually talk with him and Devin Singletary and what that backfield will look like. Um, cause you can't talk about the two without talking about Josh Allen, who will be, um, you know, he'll be stealing a lot of those goal line, uh, within five yard touchdowns from, from both of these two. Uh, it was said that Moss is going to take over the Frank Gore role. So it looks like he's going to come in grab a couple yards, come out, and then come back in for, like, the one-yard runs uh, for a touchdown. But uh, who knows? 
people are very all in or all out on Zach Moss, I feel like. Um, so what's your take? Because I'm, I'm a Devin Singletary fan myself. Uh, so what's, you, what's your take on these two? And, and, and who, who will have the most value at the end of the year? It's interesting because, you know, I mean, obviously Moss, is, he got his little search and Devin Singletary a month prior, we talked about on this podcast, was one of the guys that was falling. And Devin Singletary is one of those guys that uh, a, a phrase I made familiar on our original show, Fake Goods, was a purgatory back. And that's kind of what Singletary is. You know, he's not a guy that catches a lot of passes. He's not a guy that scores touchdowns. So he gets you a lot of, you know, hollow yardage and you've got to remain hyper-efficient. I just think that the Bills used him in really a phenomenal way last year, and they were able to get the most out of him. The reason he had so much success was the usage the Bills gave him. Uh, only 5.3% of his carries came versus eight men in the box. It was the lowest rate in the league. He ran a ton uh, from 11 personnel. Uh, they were able to get him light boxes. He, he was able to generate explosive plays. Uh, they didn't really use him in the passing game a lot, but he was also very bad in the passing game. He averages 4.7 yards per target just 6.7 yards per catch, and that's with a 50-yard reception mixed in there. Mm. Uh, and that's kind of where I think this conversation between the two players gets interesting. Because we know Moss at 222 pounds is going to get a shot at those goal line carries with Josh Allen ahead of Singletary. Singletary only had two carries inside the five-yard line all year last year out of 18 team attempts. Gore at 11. Uh, and the re- the I saw one. every one of Frank Gore's. I'm pretty sure I saw every they, one of them on Red. A Zone. couple of those might have been in one game where he just yeah. got like four in a row. Oh yeah, that's what <laughs> like, that happened. That happened. <laughs> like he got like three or four in a row and just got stonewalled. Yeah. But Moss is a guy they're going to give. They're going to use that bigger body. They kind of already hinted they will. But there's a conversation we had that maybe Moss is a better pass catcher than Singletary. Mm. I mean, he caught 66 passes in college last year. He averaged almost 14 yards per catch. Uh, and had the third highest target share in this class, you know, for receptions, you know, of, of running backs coming out. And I actually thought when I watched Zach Moss, he was – I was more interested in what he did out of the backfield than he did running the football. He was just a very I've, – I've seen a lot of Zach Moss's run with the football, and he can be fine. Right. You know, you get what's blocked, and, you know, he's an effective runner. But I thought he was a better in the receiving game. So I wonder, you know, if that – he can carve into some of that role that, you know, some of those passing downs that Singletary had. And this is already a team that Josh Allen's thrown below the league rate to his running backs his first two years in the NFL anyways. So probably either guy, even if it was just one guy, wasn't going to catch a ton of passes. Uh, and so now you're adding Stephon Diggs to that. Yeah, I mean, to that group, you know. so it's, it's a tough spot. I keep wondering – I've been checking the pulse to tell myself, when does Devin Singletary become a value – as he starts to slide and the biggest hangup I still have trying to jump over is like I said, that the economy of, well, is he just the purgatory back? Will he, even if it's, even if Zach Moss is ineffective or is injured, do they find just another big body? Do they use TJ Yeldon at the goal line? Like, do they use another guy? Like, will he ever get those touches? Um, and, or is he a guy that just consistently, you know, pushes out hollow yardage whereas with Zach Moss I can kind of talk myself into especially at his ADP where it's so cheap I can say well he already might have a shot at touchdowns in scoring the touchdowns in this offense he also may be a better receiver and maybe can supplant Singletary in the receiving role and then we know kind of how they're going to use these guys in the run game based on personnel so I kind of come around to talk myself into Moss a lot more still Uh, we'll see if he continues to climb where that goes but he is a guy I have been uh, taking you know in a lot of these drafts so far in the summer and we'll see how this plays out but uh, we'll talk about him again you know against against versus some other players yeah and as they have it right now I mean value-wise I think uh, I am with you on this because you're getting 
uh, Zach Moss at running back 46 currently. And then go, looking back at Singletary, uh, you're looking at RB 24. So you're looking at your low end RB two. Um, you got a draft. Um, so that will be the interesting question as we roll into drafts is where Devin Singletary is becoming a value. Uh, anything after probably round seven for you is my guess. Even yeah, after that, it, maybe. And, and roster context. I think if he's sure. your flex RB three, that's great. You know, if you're, if he's your RB two, there'll probably be some weeks you feel good and some weeks you feel bad, you know, about trying to right. get right with him. Uh, I think he will probably beat his ADP at, at 24 overall. The question is, is, when you say that, though, what are we really saying? Right. If a guy's the RB20, what are we really saying? And, you know, we see this in the fantasy streets all the time. It's like tight end 12. That, he was a tight end you know, one. Right. And, you know, what are we saying? You know, being the RB20 is, you know, it's not saying a whole lot still in the context of weekly value. Right. As long as you can hit, hit on those weeks where he gets you double digits, that's all that matters, I guess. Uh, and good luck with that in, in Buffalo. Uh, but it, it's actually it for our show. Um, I don't want it to be over, but I know I, we're already running late. I'm sure Warren's he's, he's going to be mad at me for already pulling you in too close to an hour. This is what I do, Rich. I, 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 I keep you. I keep you on forever. But I'd be remiss if I didn't at least mention uh, the Scott Fishbowl that's happening right now. Uh, it's called, you'll, you'll see the hashtag, hashtag SFBX. Um, I'm sure you, it's, it's been all over everybody's timelines uh, if you're on Twitter. Um, if you haven't, if you don't know what it is, you should really check it out because it's for a great cause. Um, it's a bunch of fantasy analysts in just about every fantasy website that, that's known to man that Google, Google can find. And it's also fans of these websites participating in this, I don't know, huge invitational bowl to win uh these cool prizes and 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 just fun things happening uh it's for don it's it's for charities like fantasy cares uh they are donating to the black lives matter movements uh toys for tots all these sort of things it's a it's it's really just an incredible cause uh that scott fish um has been doing for uh, i think this is his 10th year ninth year. year Yeah, 10th year. Um, And so, I mean, he's he's doing it all for free out of his kind of hours and hours of free time that he's putting into this. Uh, I know Rich and I have been participating in this since since basically the beginning. Um, We do it every year. We love it. We have fun. Um, It's great cause. Rich, do you have anything to add on on the Scott Fishbowl? No, I think you pretty much covered it. Scott's just the, the best of us in this industry, you know, to yeah. go out of his way and give yeah. give this all, not only for to not make a profit at all, but to raise, you know, thousands of dollars for charity. And it's, it's great that he pulls the community together for this, you know, period of the summer always when there's nothing going on, um, which kind of gets the ball rolling. I always feel like the fishbowl, when it comes around, it's kind of like the, that, that crest where you go downhill. Like yeah. We're really like we're, we go. we're in the season and we're headed yeah. towards the season, and that's how I feel. So I mean, I'm excited that it's here. I'm glad that it, it kind of is that you get that buzz percolating on Twitter, and you know everyone wants to be a part of it. I know not everyone could be in the fishbowl too, and some people get a little annoyed by the tweets. But this year, I saw a lot of people running shadow leagues and doing other things to raise charity money for charity for those that weren't able to get involved in the actual league. So you can still contribute to a good cause and have some fantasy fun as well. So definitely, you know, just hit Scott's timeline for all the information and, you know, continue to, you know, follow the hashtags around there. Um, And hopefully, you know, we get some good teams and we win some money for charity. 
Yeah, that's 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 the reason we do it. We do it for the kids, Rich. It's not for not for <laughs> our own egos. We do it for the kids. Just like um, Michael. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Rich, man, it's it's been real. It's 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 good to get back with you. It's, uh, in this in this podcast world, in the fantasy community, bringing bringing the people back what they want. Um, I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Um, obviously, I'm shedding some rust here this episode, but uh, as we go, I hope to uh, I hope to bring you the the goods, as it were. Uh, do you have any last things to add before we head out of here? Uh, just yeah, as usual, you know, please rate, review, subscribe, I and mean, we need some reviews on this on this podcast, please. I mean, we'll, we'll, hopefully, we have something to offer to entice you guys to add some reviews. But if you would like to just add a review out of the kindness of your heart, please do that. Uh, absolutely, go to sharpfootballanalysis.com. Check out the 2020 football team preview that will be live this week and be out 350 pages of just football information that you can stump your grandfather, your friends, and just yourself to, to, to learn something new. Mm. Uh, and check out that free chapter and get that early bird special. And then all the fantasy content is still free on the site. There's no subscription required to access everything. Definitely take advantage of that while it's still out there. I've got hundreds of articles, uh, so make sure you check those out. Yes, absolutely. I tweeted that out last week. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure you're following Lord Reeves uh, on Twitter and checking out his work. Like he said, it's a literal hundred articles of free content right now. Go soak it up. You'll be smarter and happier he did. Uh, for Rich Rebar, uh, I'm Chad at Chad underscore Scott 13. Uh, we'll see you next week. Peace.